Hello and welcome to Mac Power Users episode 548, Jumping into Markdown. My name is Stephen Hackett and I am joined as always by my co-host and friend, Mr. David Sparks. Hello, Stephen. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I am ready to talk about Markdown. We're touching the third rail here, the podcasting faux pas. We're going to talk about a little bit about coding on an audio podcast, mm-hmm. but I think Markdown is the big exception. Yeah. As we get into this, the whole idea is that it's really simple. And so I think we can talk through this syntax and, and be just fine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is a good episode. It's We're going deep on Markdown today. Markdown is something that... um uh, a lot of people are aware of, but not as many people know how to do, and it is really easy. Get through this podcast today. You're going to be a Markdown Pro. I, th- I think so, too. Uh, before we get into all of that, just real quick, it is – we are in August now. I don't know how that happened. Yeah. Um, but we we will be working on and planning episodes around iOS 14 and macOS Big Sur. A couple of people had, had asked about those. I think we'll do what we did last year and, and have uh, episode – per release when that is nobody knows and so and so we uh we're kind of keeping our eye on that apple said in their results that the phone will be later this year by a couple weeks does that mean ios and big sur later by a couple weeks too who knows nobody knows so it's just going to be a fun adventure we're all in together this year yeah and related questions i've had from people are what about shortcuts and the photos field guide the mm-hmm. both of those areas got updates with this new operating system i think i'm going to have an a free update to shortcuts when they launch ios 14 but the question is nobody knows when they'll launch it so right. if they launch it next week i will not have an update ready but <laughs> there will be an update eventually or hopefully on launch day for shortcuts followed by a free update as well for photos. Both of those will be free. Last year I had to charge for shortcuts because Apple rewrote shortcuts and I had to mm-hmm. do the whole thing from scratch. Fortunately, that's not the case this year. So I'll have some some free updates if you've already bought those field guides. Also today, um, we are going to, in more power users, we're going to talk some tech uh, stuff. Steven is getting ready to prep uh, for the annual um, podcast-a-thon and uh, That's right. there's a bunch of technology involved with that so we're looking forward to talking mm-hmm. about that on more power users today so technology and sobbing both it's, it's equal parts <laughs> of both right now yeah. like, i really am this is a strange year i have a lot of questions let's yeah. just leave it at that uh, me too <laughs> <laughs> oh boy uh yeah so let's get into let's get into markdown just a touch of background Markdown was created by John Gruber, the writer of Daring Fireball. Uh, We spoke about this on episode 466 of Mac Power Users, where he was a guest. We talked some about the history of it. He's given other interviews about the history of Markdown. And it's really cool. I mean, it it is sort of the definition of writing a project to scratch an itch that you have. He wanted a tool for writing on the web that wasn't junky and messy like HTML is. and, And Markdown came out of that desire. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, John had a blog. He was one of the first that I was aware of that did the linked posts, you know, where he would link something and make a few comments about it, but he'd also have more extensive posts Mm -hmm. and he wanted a simple method to write. And so he did that. He created his own tool and who would have guessed that it became such a big thing. It's everywhere. And we're going to get to that later in the episode of just how many places (laughs) <laughs> you can use Markdown and it shows up in some pretty 
surprising projects and websites uh, across the internet. Yeah. Yeah. And the idea of it really though, at its, at its foundational level is just something you can write with any plain text editor that at the end of the process gives you usable text for HTML. At least that was the original idea. Now, since Mm -hmm. then it's become so much more because now you can export as rich text and you can do all sorts of cool things with Markdown, but having a starting point where you can sit there with the keyboard and not have to fiddle with code snippets and make something that's usable later. That's right. So the initial pitch when Gruber announced it is that this is a tool to convert plain text to HTML for people who are writing on the web. And so if you're blogging and you need italics or bold or links, you don't have to do that in HTML. You can do it in Markdown and then there, so Markdown is really two things. It's the syntax and there's an interpreter and you can interpret it on your website and it loads HTML and everybody sees a regular web page. But like you said, over the years, it has shown up everywhere. It's even supported in Xcode now as of a couple of years ago, which has got to feel pretty good if you're, if you're John, right? This project you built being blessed and put in Xcode, that's, that's got to be pretty cool. <laughs> Well, and I think, you know, talking about those two pieces of it, let's break them down for a second, because the first piece to me is almost is definitely more important than the second piece. And Mm -hmm. the first piece is it's a text syntax where you can include links and rich text items without having a rich text, you know, I'm opening air quotes here, a word processor at your disposal. And that is something that's very useful. But the syntax, in addition to being something that's easily convertible, he also made it, and I think this is the genius of Markdown, he made it easily readable. So when you read, if I put a page of HTML in front of anybody listening to the show next to a page of Markdown, it would be obvious how much easier it is to read Markdown than HTML because HTML has a bunch of codes and tags and other things in it that really get in the way of finding the words. Whereas Markdown is all about the words and the very simple syntax that we're going to teach you here shortly embeds all that stuff for you. So you don't, you don't need to worry about it. And what that means is that you could write an email message quote in Markdown with no desire or need to ever turn it into HTML because the syntax is easy to read. You you aren't putting a burden on the person who's receiving the email. Because as we go through this, the syntax really is super simple. I think that was a real driving force behind it for for John was to make this as easy as possible to be human readable. You know, HTML, like I can read HTML, but that's because I've worked with HTML for years and years. The average person, HTML looks pretty confusing and and messy. And they think, you know, that... <laughs> somebody sent them something they shouldn't have. Whereas Markdown, it's like, okay, yeah, you've got some extra characters here, but I can I can figure out what it is. Yeah, I mean, I send out email all the time to clients slash friends slash Max Barkey people in Markdown syntax. I don't convert it to rich text or anything else. And as a result, you would think that they would be able to read it. They read it. I mean, these are people who have not listened to the Mac Power Users episode about Markdown, but they still understand it. Like if I take a word and I put 
an asterisk on either side of it, they know that there's an emphasis on that word. You know, it's just, Mm -hmm. it's that simple. And as a result, I think because I'm lazy, I've turned a lot of my emails into just markdown syntax without any problem. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the distinction between plain text and rich text. You mentioned this a second ago, but let's dive into this a little bit more. Yeah. Um, Well, you know, rich text is, there's different flavors of rich text and that's kind of part of the problem. But like the, the biggest example I would say is Microsoft word, right? You put something in Microsoft word and you write words and the, the words are part of the file, but also part of the files. What part is bold? What part has heading one attached? What part is a footnote? Where does the font change? What is the font? What's the color of the font? What's the underline? You know, you start thinking about all the things that get attached to words in a word processor and that gets saved as what they call a form of rich text. There's also what you would call vanilla rich text, which is supposed to work between all these different platforms and rarely mm-hmm. does because everybody has changed it just a little bit. And they, you know, right. there really is not a single rich text format, but you know, there, there are, there's a basic one, but there really isn't. Um, but the whole idea of rich text is text that's rich. <laughs> you know what I mean? You've got text that's got uh, interesting formatting applied to it. And, as someone writing text, I find rich text to be a pain in the neck because mm-hmm. it's a whole bunch of extra decisions you have to make. Rich text is the reason why you want to open a Microsoft Word. It looks like the cockpit of a jet fighter, you know, where all you want to do is write some words, but you have a million decisions to make. And there's so many buttons and switches and sliders that you have to handle. And so that's rich text. Plain text, on the other hand, is not rich text. It is just the text. It's the individual letters stacked together and there's no formatting in them whatsoever, which at first blush, you'd say, well, I'm a computer nerd. I want rich text. No, actually you don't. You want plain text. It's, it's the way to start writing. If you want to actually concentrate on the words, there's a, there's a bunch of advantages to it. I I think number one is as a writer, not having to make decisions about rich text formatting is a real benefit as you're writing words so you can focus on your words. Also, I think um, one of the big features that I think of is the timelessness of rich text. And I've been at this racket long enough to have, you know, like MacWrite files from college. Um, first of all, I'm not sure how I'd get those floppies on my Mac. I guess I could order something off Amazon and figure that out. But once I got the MacWrite file on my Mac, exactly how would I open it and what would it look like? You know, whereas if I had those in rich text in a hundred years, my grandchildren's grandchildren will be able to open those text files and see what the heck I was writing. And you don't even have to go as far back as that. I mean, even if you have early pages versions, you've got to go through this conversion process and resave them. It You can really get into trouble with, with losing data historically, but it can be simpler than that too. Rich text stinks on iOS and iPad OS, right? Like if you like take Apple Notes, if you have something in Apple Notes that's bold or you've made a bulleted list and you copy it and paste it into mail, it looks funny because it it holds on to some of the formatting you don't want and you lose some of the formatting you do want. It just it all gets it all just gets where you're kind of going and playing cleanup behind your text. And I just don't have time for that. That's really why I prefer plain text because I can move it between tools and know that it's going to be the same a hundred percent of the time. 
Yeah, a point you made there that I think really gets an exclamation point is, you know, John made Markdown. Nerds were using Markdown to write blog posts before the arrival of the iPhone. I, I was using Markdown as soon as I discovered it because I don't like writing in HTML. I make mistakes. I put the comma in the wrong place or a space between the curly bracket and the whatever, and suddenly my thing doesn't render, you know. So I just liked it because it was simple and it looked nice. But when the iPhone showed up, Apple really didn't have an answer to what is a common rich tech system on this new iOS platform, or I guess it was iPhone OS at that time. But they just didn't have an answer to it. And um, they made, you know, they eventually made the Pages app, but that was its own customary, you know, custom file format. So there really wasn't like a, a global rich tech system and geeks immediately seized upon the idea of using Markdown on these mobile apps. And as a result, there were so many Markdown apps that showed up. And I, I feel like that was where Markdown really exploded, was with the arrival of the iPhone and even more so with the iPad. Yeah, I think so too. And it's kind of funny, there's been a shakedown there. I mean, at one point, I, I think Brett Turfster at one point, I think was tracking a table with multiple hundreds of apps that were markdown editors. Mm -hmm. And I think at this point there's, there's a lot fewer, you know, the industry couldn't support that many apps, but we've got some good ones. We're going to talk about those before we finish the show today. Uh, but it, it really, I think came into its own with iPhone and iPad. And if you're somebody who does a lot of writing on iPhone and iPad, markdown is an excellent tool to have in your pocket. So if you're writing for the web, you may be thinking, well, why not, why not just use HTML? And this goes back to what we were talking about a second ago. It's human readable. It's way simpler. I find myself way less likely to make errors. And I, like, I know HTML, I can write it, but I, I choose Markdown because it's faster and less error prone. And that's important to me when writing a blog post or putting notes in our CMS for a podcast or whatever it may be. Well, not only that, I mean, we're going to teach you Markdown on today's podcast. And it's not going to take the whole podcast to teach you Markdown. It's going to take probably about 20 minutes, you know, <laughs> where if we we're going to teach you HTML on the podcast today, number one, it wouldn't work because you would need a video. And number two, mm -hmm. it would not take 20 minutes. I mean, no. it's just, and it would look really ugly if you started writing your stuff in HTML. But hey, you know, you be you. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other thing is if you're you're doing other writing, you know, we, we've been talking about this in terms of the web, but you're going to hear when we talk later about how we use Markdown. That is a very small part of how I use Markdown. And uh, I, I just like it as a general way to write. I mean, it's easy to put headers and bullet lists and links and, and just embed those things in my writing without having to stop to push a bunch of buttons in my word processor. I'm at the point where even in my paper notebooks that I carry around, I write in Markdown. So I use headers and bulleted list stylized just like Markdown requires. I love that. I love that. <laughs> it's got analog for, for Hackett. Yeah. yeah. I'm not, I'm guilty of that too. You know, what's really crazy is I've caught myself handwriting text expander snippets. That's a, that's a separate <laughs> issue. We, we can talk about DTS. that after the show. I use yeah. DTS so often, daytime oh. stream. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. It doesn't, it, that, that doesn't work with pen and paper, really. No, it doesn't. I wish it would, though. I wish it would. I need a <laughs> magical pen. Yeah. Anyway, no, but I agree. It, Markdown is a great way to uh, easily 
you know, prepare text for a lot of sources and, and we'll be talking about all the different ways we use it. But, you know, the, the bottom line is you can put a lot of depth into your text in terms of formatting with headings, bold, italic, you know, with some of the extensions we're going to talk about, you can do footnotes and you can, you can go pretty far down the stack all with very usable, readable text that is timeless and can be portable. Oh, another thing we didn't mention text files. You know what? They're pretty small. So tiny, super tiny syncing all like if iCloud syncs slow, it's not going to sync slow on your text files. They are Mm -hmm. super small. And uh, so all that stuff, it just feels snappier because it is everywhere. And it is just insane the number of apps that support it at this point. And many of the greatest hits we talk about are here on Mac Power Users are adopters of Markdown. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by SaneBox. Go to SaneBox.com slash MPU, get $25 off, and stop drowning in email. SaneBox is the mail service that saves my bacon every day. It learns what email is important to me and filters out what isn't which saves me hours. I don't wake up to an inbox full of 300 emails. I wake up to an inbox with like seven emails. And those are the seven emails that I really wanted to see out of those 200. The rest of them go into different folders at same box auto sorts for me. It's like having a little person that reviews your email for you and says, this is important. This isn't important. This is junk. And it just takes care of that for you on a 24-7 basis. It works with all kinds of email programs and services. You don't have to have a special app. Uh, It works with my iCloud account. It works with my IMAP account. It could work with your Google account if Google is your thing. And they have great filtering. So they've got the same later box where it keeps things in the inbox and puts the other stuff into the same later folder. Got the same black hole. Lately, I've been getting all these emails from people telling me they want to redesign my legal website, some kind of racket, you know. They go straight into the black hole. I never hear from them again. Nice. Uh, snoozing is great. Uh, so when you get an email, you can say, don't give this to me until Saturday, till the weekend, or don't give this until me next Monday or 5 p.m. today. You can create uh, whatever snooze folders you want. You put your email in there and it goes away. And probably my favorite feature is staying reminders. Every time I send an email to someone that requires a response, I blind copy it with a reminder. So I'll say like one week at samebox.com. And if that person doesn't reply in a week, samebox tells me, Hey, you didn't get a reply. You better check out. I do this all the time. It really is an efficient way to track emails that require reply. So it does all this stuff, filtering. You can move your, your attachments to Dropbox and they've got various pricing plans starting as low as $4 a month. I'm a total believer in a total user. There's a 14 day free trial. Go to samebox.com slash MPU. If you go to that link, you get $25 credit. And I fought for that credit because I wanted us to have the biggest discount because MPU listeners love Samebox. They gave it to us. So that's samebox.com slash MPU. Receive a $25 credit on any plan and let them know you heard about it on Mac Power Users. Get out of the email hole today. Sign up with Samebox. Thanks, Samebox. So let's get into some of the syntax used by Markdown. Uh, Right off the bat, we're going to have a couple of links in the show notes to John's page about the syntax. And he has this wonderful thing uh, called the Markdown Web Dingus. (laughs) I I like that name. You can copy Markdown into it and double check it, convert it to HTML, whatever you need to do. I've got a related resource too. Eddie Smith and I years ago wrote a book. It's called the Markdown Field Guide, and it's still for sale in Apple iBooks. You can get it also on my website, 
at maxsparky.com slash markdown. It's just 10 bucks and it's got videos and kind of, if you need like a, if you want video instruction from what we talked about today, go check out that book. It's got all the stuff in there. The app recommendations are a little old, but you still learn Markdown. And frankly, some of those apps we're going to talk about today. So there you go. Headers. All right. Yes. So let's start with um, Markdown. You know, when you go to the web, if you look at a web page, usually there are lines that are have that are bold or larger or whatever. They call them headers under Markdown. And there's multiple levels of them. If you want to think in terms of Microsoft Word, they're like headings or style headings. Um, you can do those on the web and you can do those with Markdown. There's a couple ways to do them. Why don't you t- explain the underline method, Stephen? Yeah, the underline method is using the equal sign or dashes underneath the text. So if your header was called, you know, reasons Max Sparky is the best, and you could go under there and do equal signs, you know, equal, 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 equal under them, it would create a header. I never use this version. <laughs> I never use this option. It doesn't really jive with my brain. I use the, I think the more popular one that, that David, you also use. Yeah. And that's, that's using the hash or the number or the pound sign, you know, mm-hmm. the number sign. And it's really easy. You just put pound space and then the header, like pound space. Stephen Hackett is the best. And if you put two of those pounds, it's a level two. If you put three, it's a level three and so on. The It's important you put a space. Sometimes the the uh, editors don't don't consider it a, a heading unless you have a space between the pound and the title. But uh, that's the way I do it too. You know, in hindsight, I think the dashes and the equal signs kind of look nicer on the page. Mm-hmm. You've got uh, you've got the outline and you've got the thing underneath it. But like you, I don't think I've ever written Markdown this way, except for examples. Yeah, it 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 does look nice, and it gives you the visual indication that this is a header. This is a section under it. But I much prefer the pound sign. I think it's. Uh, it's faster, it's, it's less to type, and I can easily scan them. And what, what's nice about this is, uh, so the headers, H1 is generally the biggest, and H2 is smaller, H3 is even smaller, and so forth. And so in a document, you know, H1 could be a title, and then subheads could be H2s, and then sub-subheads would be H3. And I find that pretty easy to scan through a document if I'm editing something or going back to, to adjust something later. Yeah, and there are apps that are, I mean, you could write Markdown anything. You can write Markdown in text edit. Um, but there are apps that are Markdown friendly. Drafts is a good example. That's the one I'm probably going to talk about the most in today's episode because Greg's just done such a great job. But if you put a header in drafts, so I hit the pound space and then the title, drafts actually formats it as an H1 in the draft. So you can see the big heading. It does it for you right there as you write it. So it also makes it more readable inside the app. But, you know, like I think I was going back to Stephen's um, notebook. When you write down headings with a pen and paper, putting a single pound sign in front of your H1 and two pound signs from your H2, you can scan it with your eyes very easily and find your headings. Right? Absolutely. It's um, just really easy for me to kind of look through it and they jump out at me because it's a character I don't use otherwise. You know, yeah. it would be cool if paper could make the text bigger automatically, but that's uh, a limitation of the physical world, I guess. 
Okay, so there's a whole bunch more details on making headings. Let me show you. I'm just kidding. There's no more details. That's, That's it. it. That's literally That's it. it. <laughs> yeah. So a heading is a pound sign, and you can have one, two, or three of them. Mm-hmm. Got that? <laughs> Actually, it goes through six. Yeah. I don't think I've ever gone past three. No. I, I, on 512 pixels, I'm not even sure what H4 through H6 look like, because I only use H1, 2, and 3 in blog posts. Yeah. And H3 is not real frequent for me. <laughs> no. no. No, me neither. Yeah. But yeah, that's it. You know, so you just learned how to do headings and markdown. See how easy this is? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Paragraphs are a real pain in the rear in HTML. Most HTML, most CMSs or whatever want paragraphs wrapped in tags. So you have like a little a tag to open a paragraph and want to close a paragraph. Markdown is way smarter than that. This is the this is the syntax for showing where a new paragraph should be. There is no syntax for it. There is no spoon, David. All you need is a blank line. A blank yeah. line is a line break. Hit return just the twice. Way, yeah, just the way we write by hand, right? If you start a new paragraph, you go to a new line. Same thing here. I think there is a syntax. I'm not sure if it's in the canonical markdown, but if you put two spaces at the end of a paragraph and hit return, that will also do a, a, a carriage return. I'm sorry, a line break. I don't know who who added. There's so many different flavors of markdown I've learned over the years, but I never use that. I mean, who's mm-hmm. going to put two spaces at the end of a paragraph? Uh, just hit carriage return twice, and yep. that's a new paragraph. Super easy. Yeah, there's a whole. Once again, I, the joke isn't going to work. It's just that's it. I don't mm-hmm. know what else to say. Paragraphs <laughs> and line breaks. Hit return twice. Got it. Yeah, easy breezy. <laughs> All right. The um, uh, italics and bold. Uh, so italics is. You put, you can use underscores, you know, underscore, which is the little character shifted next to the zero, to the right of the zero. Or you can use the asterisk, which is the shift eight. And if you put a word like, you know, pumpkin surrounded by two asterisks, that's italic. Or surrounded by two underscores, that's italic. Um, If you want to make it bold, you put two asterisks or two underscores on either side of it. So I don't know why I use the word pumpkin, but I guess I'm thinking about Halloween. I don't know. <laughs> it's August. Too soon. Yeah. We <laughs> were just talking last night. What are we going to do this year? <laughs> Halloween. I mean, I don't know. Am I going to just like stand on the doorway and throw candy at little yeah. kids from 20 feet? You could build some sort of trebuchet. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Maybe that's why. Anyway, but so that's it, guys. One set of asterisks or Mm -hmm. two sets, bold or under or uh, italic. Uh, A weird uh, foible I have is I do italic as underscores, one set of underscores, and bold as two asterisks. And that way, when I'm reading it, it's very it's very easy for me. Mm -hmm. I don't want to have to say, well, is that one underscore or two underscores? I'm not sure. I always do bold with asterisks, and I always do italic with underscore. Okay. Yeah, I I use asterisks solely. I don't use the underscores at all for that reason that it's hard to eyeball the difference between one and two. I had not considered mixing them. It's an interesting idea, but you can do either one, whatever makes uh, whatever makes sense for how you work. I wish I had more to tell you. So now you've learned headers, line breaks, italics, and bold, and we're like three minutes into the segment. <laughs> So one thing you run into a lot, uh, at least writing on the web, is block quotes, right? So I do this on 512pixels. David writes something. I want to pull out a, a sentence or two to tease people to go read his article. 
block quote is a syntax element in HTML, but in Markdown, all it is is a greater than sign before the line or the paragraph of text you want block quoted. And that's it. And this one I like in particular because it's how a lot of email works. You know, like you're in a long email chain and the emails on the bottom keep bumping off to the left. A lot of the times you'll see a greater than sign before those lines. I think maybe that's where the idea came from. So it's just like, I just mentally sort of note, okay, this right, you know, right angle greater than sign. That means this text should be indented and block quoted. Very, very easy. And there's no closing syntax for this. It's just at the start. Yeah, it's the character that looks most like a right pointing arrow on a standard keyboard. And I think that, you know, it's just pointed it in. That's it, man. I'm going to stop saying that. That's it. But that is it. Okay, yeah, we got to stop. We got to stop the joke. I know. <laughs> I can't help myself, Stephen. Lists. Uh, you want to make a list. Uh, you can use an asterisk or a dash. And every line has a new asterisk or a dash in front of it. So mm-hmm. you could say pound sign, space, grocery list, new paragraph, asterisk, carrots, asterisk, jalapenos, asterisk, vinegar, and you're on your way to spicy carrots. You could also number those one, two, three. Yes. Does that too. Uh-huh. And if you're using Markdown to get to HTML, dashes and asterisks are unordered list, whereas numbers become an order list. So the numbers move over uh, to your list in HTML. So it's a nice way to to vary to vary what the outcome is if you're converting to HTML, but not not needing to if you don't have to. It's a nice touch. And this is something that like is just so readable. I mean, you know, I was talking earlier about how I send emails to clients that have Markdown in it. And I use, now that we've got this far, I'll use the headings. I'll use the pounds because that's obvious when you see one and then two. I'll use these bulleted lists with asterisks. I don't use dashes. I use asterisks for those. And I use uh, italics and bold the same way with the but I'll only use a single asterisk if it's just being sent to somebody and they can figure out in their own mind if it's bold or underlined. But it's just all this stuff is so human readable. That's the thing mm-hmm. that I can't get over. So I think up to this point, we've really talked about human readable, send it in the email, write it in a notebook, Markdown. But because Markdown was initially designed for publishing on the web, it does have a lot of features and syntax that are made for that use. And one thing that is really clever about Markdown is if you're doing something that Markdown can't do, you can fall back to HTML by simply using HTML in line. So if you're writing on the web, for instance, and you need to embed a video, you can be writing in Markdown, embed your video in you know the HTML video player or whatever, however you're doing it, and then go back to Markdown text right underneath it. You don't have to separate these things. You can mix them in. And as somebody who uses a lot of Markdown on the web, this has come in handy a lot over the years that there's sort of this escape valve in Markdown to get out to HTML if you need it. Yeah. Another obscure feature in Markdown is what they call code blocks. And, you know, John wrote it. He was making a tech-related website. He knew occasionally he'd want to embed some computing code on a text entry. And all you do is you take the back tick, which is the 
the key to the left of the number one on the standard US keyboard and you surround it. You put this one, you put the back tick at the beginning and the end of the block and it, it renders as what HTML considers a code block. Now you're listening to this saying, well, I don't write code. I will never use that. I'll tell you, this is like one of my secret weapons with Markdown. I use code blocks all the time, very rarely for code. Like, um, we'll talk later about how Markdown isn't really great for track changes, but I use code blocks to put comments in on things that are in Markdown if I'm sharing it with somebody. Um, the other thing I do with it is quite often I will, when I um, when I read a book, this is kind of a long drawn out thing. I'll try and keep it short. When I read a book on Kindle, I export all of my highlights and import them. Lately, I've been importing them to Rome Research, but I've done it in drafts before. But everything is in Markdown when it comes in. But I may see a section of the book that I've highlighted and I want to make notes to myself about it. But I didn't, you know, but I'm, so I'm embedding my thoughts among somebody else's thoughts. You know, I've highlighted somebody else's words, but I'll just put my thoughts in a code embedded block right underneath it. And then if I read that in the future, I'm like, oh, that was my thoughts. That wasn't his thoughts. And um, all you got to do is put that back tick at the beginning and ending of it. So uh, think about code blocks in other ways that you could possibly use them. Up next, again, mainly focused on the web, is creating links out to other pages. In HTML, this is messy. You got brackets and you have A space href and equal signs. In Markdown, it's all really easy. So the text that will become the hyperlink. So say that I have a sentence and I say, I'm friends with David Sparks and I want David Sparks' name to link to his Twitter page then I would put his name in brackets, square brackets, so to the right of the P key on the U.S. keyboard. So open bracket, David Sparks, close bracket, and then immediately next in parentheses, the URL to his Twitter page. So the, so it it's all one piece in your writing. It is your text and your link right next to each other, the first in square brackets, the second in parentheses all there nice together. Do you have a way that you remember square brackets, square brackets on the text and parentheses on the link? Mm, I don't. Uh, do you have something clever here? No, I, I really don't. Cause I've just done it so much. I just know it at That's this point. I was I thinking feel. if I was teaching it to somebody, I'm not sure there's gotta be some angle to this. If you have a good idea, share it in the, uh, in the, uh, forum. Because uh, I do think that's hard when people are learning this, they forget, well, where do the square brackets go? Um, but I don't know. Maybe uh, because the uh, the web is more nebulous, it's got rounder. It's rounder. It's not a square. I don't know. Ooh, I got it. Websites are in the cloud. Clouds uh, are curvy and fluffy. So you put the parentheses uh, around the link. You did it, man. You did it. I could write a children's book about Markdown. <laughs> right there. Uncle Stephen... And Markdown. That's right. Uh, Uncle Steven and the code block. There we go. That's all there is to link text. There's actually a, one more angle to link text. You can do link references as well. So it gets ugly if you start having a lot of links in your text and you want it very human readable, you know, kind of getting back to that. So if I have a document with seven links in it, you're going to have these seven sections that have a square bracket, then in parentheses, a, a long website URL. It's got to be the full URL, you know, HTTPS, colon, black, mm -hmm. you know, all, all that stuff. So it gets long. And especially some links these days are very long. 
Uh, if you don't want to have that, you can do what they call reference links. And so you put a square bracket around the words that you want to link. And then right on the other side of that, you put another set of square brackets with a link ID. So I could say, if I was going to link Stephen, I'd have the word Stephen Hackett with a square bracket around it. And then I would have another set of square brackets right behind it, no space, that say SH. And then at the bottom of the document, I can put a reference to it. And it would just be um, open bracket, square bracket, SH, close bracket. So I'm copying, almost like a footnote, you're copying the bracket reference to the bottom. Then you put a colon, and then you put in the, um, the link. And you can put those at the bottom. And then when you read the top, it's very clean. It's a little bit more work. It is. I don't love the style. I don't mind them being in line because I know just as I'm reading a paragraph, yes, this is this is where I want to link to in this text. I feel like there's a couple circumstances where this is useful. I do use it occasionally. I use it if I'm sharing it with other people to like proof for me. I, I want to make it easier for them. I also share it if I don't have links when I write it. And so I create reference links. And then I then at the bottom, I have a link of references that I just go fill in and find the websites. So, and, and also I think if I think the websites might change, I might do it that way. Hmm. Okay. We're going to talk later about some tools and we're going to link you to Brett Terpstra has a set of markdown tools and one of them automatically creates reference links for you. And it's really handy. So that's kind of a service on the Mac that makes it really easy if you want to do that. But I feel like both of those are totally legitimate ways to do it. Mm -hmm. You can also embed images in Markdown. So if you're writing an article and need to pull in a picture, this looks pretty much like the link, but you start the line with an exclamation point. So it's exclamation point, And then you have your alt text in the square brackets. And then in the parentheses, you have the, the, the images URL. So, you know, HTTPS 512pixels.net slash picture slash handsomedavid.jpg. And so it uses very similar formatting to the hyperlink. It's just slightly different. Uh, and you can also, we should say this uh, both places, you can also put optional titles in, uh, putting them in quotes in here too. So you've got uh, lots of options. But the image one, I think, is a little harder to remember. When I first started this, I can never remember that it started with an exclamation point. I, I knew it started with something, and I, and, but I've, I've just had to memorize that uh, since then. Yeah, and that requires you to have the image on the internet already. You have to have yes. a link to the image. So if you're doing this as a blogging tool, uh, you need to get your images uploaded and get links for them, you know, before you do that. Um, mm -hmm. And it's not that hard to have images on the internet anymore. <laughs> but they, I recommend if you do this that you do your own uploads. Don't rely on other people's image links because you never know if those will change and then things yep. will break. You want to have it under your control. So moving from basic syntax to the things that are a little more a little more advanced beyond just the the basic markdown. And this is where sort of the the world around markdown is a little confusing. So John wrote the spec, published it years ago, 15 years ago or something. And it's remained static. He hasn't added a lot of features to markdown. And there are people who want more from it. So a good example of this is tables. You can do tables in HTML. It's terrible. And people wanted ways to add additional things, additional syntax 
to Markdown. And and that has created what you referenced a little while ago. There are different versions of this. And it can get a little messy if you're like, if you really lean into one version of it, say that you're using something like multi-markdown, which we'll talk about here in a second, and you're used to that syntax, maybe something else doesn't support it. But on the whole, uh, I don't really ever run into this hardly at all, but it is something to be aware of that Markdown proper and these other flavors do overlap in slightly different ways. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the basic features that we talked about is universal in my experience, like whatever flavor of Markdown you use, putting two asterisks around a word is going to make it bold. And, you know, I think John's attitude was, look, I made this tool to get my work done and it doesn't need any more. I don't need any more features. So I'm not going to spend a bunch more time. And he open sourced it and people can do what they want with it. That's the reason why Apple has it in Xcode. And some other people have added features onto it. They're like, you're not, you know, so, so there you go. I, I think let's start with probably the most common one. I, I think one of the most popular ones, but definitely is multi-markdown. And Fletcher Penny was a guest on Mac Power Users years ago. We'll have to get him back on the show He's, he's a doctor, he's a medical doctor, but he's also a nerd and he loved Markdown, but he does writing for technical medical stuff. And there were a couple features missing that it needed. So because Fletcher is such a, a geeky dude, he just said, all right, well, I'll just extend Markdown to multi-Markdown. And uh, we've got links in here for Fletcher's website. And it's just a, a great kind of extension to Markdown that adds some much needed features for some people. You want to start with the features? I guess we can just start going through the additional features. Yeah. So one of the features that I love most about multi-markdown is tables. If you do tables in HTML, the syntax is frankly ridiculous. You have TRs and TD tags and you got to do them in the right order. And if you don't, your table is sideways as opposed to the way you thought it would be. And in multi-markdown, there's a very simple way uh, to create tables. And there's even web tools uh, to create these on your own. So I don't do table editors. I don't do markdown tables a lot. So I use this website called table generator. I'll put a link in the show notes and basically it lets you type in a pretty visual table and then generate the multi markdown that you need. So you don't have to worry about the formatting of it. The formatting is very simple. It shows the columns and then the header row, but this is a kind of a visual way to do it. So this is how I make my markdown tables because I just, I don't do it enough for it to be second nature. Yeah. And it's, even though it's easier with multi-markdown, it's still, I find a little bit tedious. So Mm -hmm. the feature that he added that I use the most, which is actually not that often, but is footnotes, you know, markdown didn't have a footnote feature um, and multi-markdown does. So what you do, we go back to our friend, the square bracket and you go up to the arrow pointing up, the up pointing carrot, the shift six. I don't know. What do you call that character? Yeah, it's like the top half of a, the house emoji. There you go. Or an <laughs> arrow pointing up. But either way. And then you you um, you um just type that bracket and then the text of your footnote. That's an, an inline footnote, just like they have inline markdown links. And you can also do footnotes, referenced footnotes. And you just type a name. So I could type, if I was going to type about Stephen's amazing mustachio, I would say um, uh, shift six, that up facing arrow, and I'd say SH mustache. And at the bottom, I would have 
the square brackets with sh mustache and then a colon and i could type the footnote at the bottom so if you wanted to actually be at the bottom of the document you can do it that way too and again it's that same discussion we had with links do you want them embedded or do you want them at the bottom Mm -hmm. the way i do my footnotes is i do them under the paragraph they relate to i don't do them all at the bottom of the document but I, i tie them a little bit closer to where they're inserted once i render out to html yeah and it doesn't matter because no matter where you put them, you can, I think you could even, I think you have to put them after the reference. I think that's the only, yeah, the only specificity called out in the syntax. Yeah. You couldn't put them at the top. It'd be nice right. to be able to put them at the top. Then you would never miss them, but either way, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, it also supports mathematical equations and citations of, you know, this is the stuff that a doctor would need in Markdown. It also has multiple levels of block quote. So if you are block quoting something that quotes something else, you can just keep on going to the right, which is fine. Sometimes I need that if I'm linking to something on 512 that comes up on occasion. But yeah, it just adds some niceties that aren't in the original markdown, but it feels very much like a a spiritual successor to it in a way that is natural. Like there's not much in the multi markdown syntax guide that feels to me like that's not really how markdown would do it. I think, I think Fletcher and the other people working on this did a really good job at, at making it feel like a natural extension. Yeah. And, and this is, these are tools in addition to markdown. So mm-hmm. if you're used to traditional markdown and you write in a multi markdown editor, um, you're going to be just fine. You know, Occasionally, when you need those extra tools, they'll be there for you. Uh, Multi-markdown is not the only variant, though. There's also CommonMark, which uh, I guess WordPress, are they the ones that put that together? Do you know where that started? Uh, CommonMark has a kind of a, kind of a messy history. Uh, it, is, it is what is supported in WordPress. If you use Jetpack, which is a plugin, a very common plugin, there's also a multi-markdown plugin for WordPress that you can just install uh, and move on. But uh, originally, Common Mark was called something else, and there was some uh, dust up about it and the name, and so they've settled on Common Mark. But like multi-markdown, it is a uh, a slight variation and expansion upon Markdown. It is not as wide reaching as multi-Markdown, but it does what it can to uh, clean things up a bit. Yeah. Another one that uh, actually was started by a frequent guest on the Mac Power Users, our friend Gabe Weatherhead, put together a, a, a flavor of Markdown that supports inline comments. So it's like change tracking also change tracking, I guess, not like change tracking. It is change tracking for Markdown. That is one of the complaints about Markdown is like, it's great for writing for one person, but if you're trading text with other people, it's easy to fall apart. And uh, so he came up with a syntax for tracking changes and he made some plugins. I actually texted Gabe before we recorded today and he says he's not uh, continuing to update the plugins. It's too much work, but the uh, he, he considers the syntax to be feature complete I tried it for a while. You know, I love Gabe. It's a little too complicated for me, honestly. It's just a little too fiddly. Um, the way I handle change tracking and markdown is, like I said earlier, with the code blocks. I'll just put a code block underneath with comments and recommendations. It's not as good as change tracking in something like Microsoft Word. I'm not doing fancy contracts with other lawyers in markdown. 
I'll talk about how I do that later, but the, um, but you know, that's, that's one attempt at the change tracking problem with plain text. Yeah. This has never really been something that I've needed. If I need to track changes, I'm working with other people in, I mean, basically all the time, something like a Google doc or a word document even. Yeah. Uh, the people, my experience has been people who want to track changes aren't the type of people who want to use Markdown, right? Yeah, it's, that's true. Those, uh, the, uh, there's not a lot of overlap on that Venn diagram. Yeah. And like, I love Gabe too, and this is super cool. I just don't have much of a need for it. Yeah. But if you want to, I think this is the most common sense approach to it that I've seen. Like, if mm-hmm. you want to try and figure it out, why not just use what Gabe's done? And a lot of people make flavors of Markdown based on their implementation, like what they need. Mm -hmm. Uh, GitHub is a good example. Yeah, GitHub has its own slight flavor of Markdown. So when you open a ticket or you're writing text in GitHub, you can use Markdown styling. They also have a rich text. What you see is what you get. So you can select text and hit the bold button. But you can also use Markdown for that. So this is a place I use Markdown all the time because we track issues with Relay CMS and GitHub. And so very often I will have links to images or outlines or or all sorts of things in here. Uh, And it makes it really easy to do. And again, like a really cool place to have have Markdown in GitHub. That's a a big deal. Yeah, agreed. Discourse, which is a commenting service as opposed to discord, which is a forum. Although our discord forum also supports Markdown. Yeah. Um, the, uh, you know, they've got their own. I feel like commenting is a great place to use Markdown uh, because it's easy to add links and mm-hmm. emphasis and whatever without going crazy. Yep. And you can use formatted text in Slack, but it's not Markdown. It, Looks like Markdown and places they they use asterisks and some other things, but for instance, they use asterisks for bold and underscores for italics, and they don't support mixing them or doing the other way around. So if you like me, Markdown is just part of how you write. Slack can be a little frustrating because you'll go to do something and it doesn't actually do what you think it's going to do, but it's easy enough to adjust to it over time. I wish Slack would just use Markdown outright, but they don't seem willing to do that. They think they've got a better solution, Stephen. I guess. So if you did italics the way I did, it wouldn't bother you. It's true. I did think about that. I was like, oh, well, David's uh, worked this out. (laughs) Yeah, but their bold is one set of asterisks, which makes me crazy. Yeah, it's not good. Um, Anyway, uh, there's so many apps that have taken Markdown and I wouldn't even say published a spec like multi-markdown is a spec. They've just taken and added on and changed text formatting. Uh, Ulysses is an app we talk about on the show all the time. They have done several additional changes. They start with Markdown. They've gone further. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going deeper down the Rome research rabbit hole. The Rome is built entirely with everything I write in there. You write in Markdown and it, it formats it properly. But they've done a whole bunch of stuff because the whole you know thing about that app is these backlinks and crosslinks. Right. So any anything you write can link to anything else you write, and it doesn't even have to be like a document title or a heading. It can be literally anything. Like if you have a quote from a book you read on one page, 
if you do double parentheses and then in the middle start typing the quote, it immediately goes and grabs it for you. And then you can click on it to jump back to that page. So they use double parentheses to to what they call a reference link, reference literally anything in your database. And then they use double brackets uh, to to link to a specific web page or, or note in your database. So mm-hmm. they, they've extended on it as well. I mean, I just feel like Markdown became the starting point for so many of these systems. And I'm so glad that John did it because if he hadn't laid this down, at this point, would we have this mess of every app has a different way to make bold and headings? And, you know, I don't know where we would be without having that like foundational step in place. This episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you by Indeed. One of the greatest challenges we all face is taking all the information available to us and knowing where to focus. This happens in all areas of work and life, but it's especially true in hiring. With Indeed, you have access to the largest pool of talent and can hire the right people quickly. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people and fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, so you can pause your account at any time when there are no long-term contracts on your desk. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search even easier. Things like sponsor jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire that you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it quick. So go try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com MPU. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go now to Indeed.com MPU. Terms and conditions apply. Offer is valid through September 30th. Our thanks to Indeed for their support of the show and all of Relay FM. So let's talk some more about some of the apps and tools that we've used over time, what we're using now. And, and I want to start maybe with the most important question is how we use it. So we've, we've mentioned a few things. We send emails, we write blog posts, uh, do that sort of thing. But, you know, when it's time to, to sit down and write, how are you doing it? It depends. <laughs> I uh, I wrote in the outline that I dream in Markdown because that's true. I Most of my words start in Markdown, just about anything I write. I just find it really convenient to use. I like that it's readable for me. Occasionally, some of the words I write have an editor take a look at them and she can read them just fine as well. And I never formally taught her Markdown, but she just learned it from proofreading my stuff over the years. It's just really easy. And... um so depending on what context of my life I'm in, I uh, I use Markdown quite a bit. Yeah, me too. There's very little that I write that doesn't go through Markdown. It may not be processed, you know, to some visual layout. It may just be the raw syntax, but basically anything I'm writing is is done that way. Uh, for me, on the Mac where most of that writing takes place is an application called Byword. I've used it forever. It's a simple Markdown editor. You can type in Markdown and hit a keystroke and you, the window fl- you know changes over and you have your preview. So and that's important to me when I'm 
especially writing a blog post or complicated show notes, I want to be able to see that I haven't made an error and being able to quickly preview the markdown as HTML is important for that. And Byword has just clicked with me. It's not the most up-to-date app. Uh, It's got some, especially on iOS, I think it's got some real competition that's a lot better, but I like it on the Mac that it's really simple and it doesn't do the thing where it, it, like IA Writer and others, where it wants you to organize your data in a library that doesn't work for me when I write. It's just saving text files directly out to the file system, which is how I want to handle these things. Yeah. I mean, they, uh, they sponsored the show, I think many, many years ago. I, I love the app because of its simplicity. It's a easy to use text editor that fully supports Markdown and Markdown preview. So you get all the tools you need to write Markdown without a lot of overhead. And so much that I turned my wife on to this app at the same time I was using it. And to this day, she writes almost everything in Byword. Mm-hmm. And it does a good job of syncing with the usual suspects. I mean, it does what you need. I was just looking, she were talking, the last update was a year ago. I mean, I, I don't think it's in real, I, I don't think it's, it, I don't think it's abandonware. I think every year they go and update what they need to, to keep it working. Mm-hmm but they're not adding a whole bunch of new features. And honestly, it doesn't need them. It's not that expensive. It's just a great little service. Yep. Um, for me, like, I guess I should break it down by what I'm doing for blog posts to Max Sparky. Like I usually write those in drafts and that's my primary drafts. And Ulysses are the two primary writing tools I use and drafts for small stuff and Ulysses for both big stuff. But both of them use Markdown drafts is more traditional Markdown. Ulysses is a little bit of a different flavor, but that's not worth talking about now. But generally when I write a, a blog post, I write it in drafts. Once I'm done, I pull the markdown text out of drafts and I drop it into Grammarly. And Grammarly accepts markdown with no problems. It doesn't try to fix markdown. I, I know whoever wrote Grammarly must have been a markdown user because like links and stuff, it just ignores them. It doesn't tell me that those are, you know, um edit um or grammar errors. And then when I'm done with that, I actually render it from drafts as rich text because uh, my ultimate publishing platform is Squarespace. And I find Squarespace does a better job with rich text than it does with Markdown. Now, the Squarespace does have a Markdown feature, but I just put in rich text. And also the next step I use in that publishing uh, workflow is I actually put it into a task in Basecamp and I have uh, an editor that helps me out. She reads it and checks to make sure I didn't make any stupid errors. And then she often will be the one who actually publishes it on Squarespace. And uh, I think rich text is easier for her. I think Squarespace handles rich text better, but it's all written in Markdown in drafts. Uh, another tool that is really useful in terms of taking Markdown and previewing it is Brett Terpstra's Marked 2. This this app is like mini projects by Brett, amazing in its depth and breadth. So you can have multiple uh, text editors using it. So Marked is just a previewer, really. That's the heart of it. And so you can use a text editor that you want, and you can point Marked to at your Markdown document, and it will render it out for you. They have a bunch of different styles. You can customize them. So you can even go in here and get this looking pretty close to maybe the website that you're going to be publishing uh, to. And uh, he has it all hosted at GitHub, all these styles, and you can go in there and play with them. 
it is it is a pretty neat tool. Uh, using Byword, I I just generally just flip in between the preview and the editor. But Mark II is nice uh, for me when I write really long pieces. I'll keep Byword in the editing mode and preview it in Mark II so I can look for errors and then fix them in Markdown in the other app. And that works. Um, that works pretty well for me. Yeah. And, and Mark two goes so much further than Markdown preview. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it is a crazy app and, and it's part of setup. So if you've got a setup subscription, you can download this one for free. Right. And uh, just start using it. I, I find it useful as well in a lot of contexts. Um, to tell you the truth, I don't do that much preview of my Markdown though. I know what it's you know going to look like when I'm done. I don't need to see the preview. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, uh, but while we're talking about Brett, I mentioned it earlier. We'll put a link in the show notes for his Markdown service tools. These are amazing, and they're just like right-click service tools that you can like add reference links and do all sorts of Markdown formatting automatically. So if you want to you know add some automation to it, definitely check these out. It takes advantage of the services menu inside Mac OS. And so it can be, these can be used across all different apps and tools. So you're not, it's not a text editor, but it basically lets any text editor kind of gain these superpowers for Markdown. Yeah. And he even added with this version three, he's got some of them that show up in the finder. You know how finder now has that services menu Mm -hmm. in the finder. He's got some that show up there that can apply Markdown um, tools to files. So it's just, you know, good on you, Brett. And, um, if you want to get better at Markdown or if you want to try and automate it, these are, these are worth it. I didn't realize that you put taught in the outline. So is taught Markdown friendly? Cause I, did, I just don't use the app enough. Yeah, it is. So it's the same yeah. thing as Byword. It's got a Markdown screen and then you can hit a button and get the Markdown preview if you want. Yeah. And then BB edit is, um, of course, very uh, powerful Markdown editor. You can do so much with more with BB Edit than just Markdown. But if you want to write Markdown in BB Edit, like you've got folding blocks, you've got you know multiple files, you've got all the power of BB Edit put behind Markdown. Mm-hmm. And it's got a preview window. So again, I like those. I, I know uh, you said you don't necessarily don't need them, but BB Edit has this preview window, so you can kind of see what's going on in real time. Yeah. And another very popular app is OneWriter, which is very Markdown friendly. Yes. OneWriter is my text editor choice on iPhone and iPad. So it just saves documents to Dropbox or iCloud, wherever you want them. And it has a row above the keyboard that has some special stuff. So if you have a link on your clipboard, you can just tap a button above the keyboard and it puts it as a as a inline link wherever your cursor is so it can speed up some of those common things that especially if you're typing on the software keyboard you know square brackets and parentheses aren't always super fast to get to on ios and uh one writer kind of works around those a little bit by giving you those custom custom buttons yeah a lot of apps do that like and a very common shortcut for a link is command k Mm -hmm. and so like like in drafts and some of these other apps if you just select text and you hit command k a lot of times they will give you a pop-up or or it'll immediately set the markdown syntax for a link for you um like in drafts if you save the a link to a website in the copy buffer and then you select text and hit command k then it basically sets up the link for you 
Ulysses does something similar. Mm-hmm. Even uh, Apple's mail app, you can hit command K and turn text into a hyperlink. It's it's yeah. about as close to universal as you can get. Yeah. Uh, I think it works in pages too. Mm-hmm. I think it's, that's yep. the shortcut except Apple mail on iOS because Apple is, doesn't want you to do embedded links in mail app. I they guess. don't want you to do anything in the, <laughs> the native mail app. Uh, but you, we, we've talked about a bunch of apps that are, are really built around Markdown, but you could write Markdown anywhere. You could write it in text edit. You could write it in Microsoft Word. That syntax is that syntax. And then you just copy the text out. It has to be in plain text to run it through a Markdown processor. But um, anywhere you want to write Markdown, you really could. So a couple of places that I use Markdown, primarily my use is WordPress for 512 pixels. I publish through an application called MarsEdit, a Mac app that is a wonderful blog editor. And I can write in MarsEdit or someplace else and publish Markdown to my website, to 512pixels. And WordPress saves the Markdown. So like in my database in WordPress, I have markdown i don't have html except for some really old stuff uh that is probably my like i said my most common use for markdown is is basically anything on 512 pixels including big pages and i mean basically anything i can uh, i'll use i'll use markdown for uh also use it in squarespace for the relay fm blog and a couple other projects so so i was talking earlier about how i use rich text in squarespace but I, i i write it in markdown how, how, what's your experience with Squarespace and Markdown? Is it okay? Uh, yeah, I, I write it. Somebody doesn't just, and just copy it in. Yeah. Uh, but even going back and editing, it seems, it seems fine. But I think rich text is probably a little bit easier to manage in Squarespace. And then lastly, for me, uh, the Relay FM CMS that we built, it s- supports Markdown almost anywhere. And so, Anytime you see something in the show notes that is a link or italicized or formatted somehow, that can be done in HTML, but it can also be done in Markdown. That was really important to us when building the CMS out that we could just continue to use Markdown wherever we were. Yeah, it makes it so easy to put show notes together. I never thanked you for that. Thanks, Ah, Stephen. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I talked earlier about how I use it to write posts and blog posts. Um, I have a similar for like long kind of think pieces. Sometimes they'll start in Ulysses, but it works the exact same way. I export out of Ulysses to rich text for that stuff. Um, long form writing I do in Markdown in Ulysses with the Ulysses Markdown flavor. And it's the same thing. Like if, if it's something that I need to, you know, whether it's maybe 50,000 words, it's going to definitely be a larger project but it's all going to just be written in Markdown and I can get all those great grammar tools and have all that for field guides. The book versions were all entirely written in Markdown and then they went out. In fact, when I was using iBooks author, I had this problem. iBooks author, if you imported like formatted text, iBooks author would break. I mean, it would like embed errors in the book that were not visible to the user. And there was literally no way to find them. The only way I could ever sort out those bugs would be to delete all the text in the book and then re-import it and hope it worked, you know? So I, I never imported rich text in the iBooks author. It always went in as Markdown, but I had Markdown formatting without Markdown rendering. So it would literally have the asterisks and the brackets and everything as it went in as plain text into the iBooks author. And then I would go through the book and manually 
code it in iBooks to, if I wanted bold, I would do use the iBooks bold tool and remove the asterisks. And that sounds like madness, but that was the only way I could do it to get a book that wouldn't have like bugs and crashers in it. So that was fun, but Markdown kind of saved me there. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, rest in peace, iBooks author. <laughs> yeah. And we never really talked about it on the show, but I, I have mixed the thoughts on it. I, I really appreciate what iBooks author and the iBooks author team did for me, but man, I wish they had, they'd kept it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, videos, I'm doing more video field guys now, but all that is done in Markdown. The outlines are done in Markdown, the, the outline of the individual videos, the, all the text for the marketing stuff, everything's, you know, I just, I write in Markdown, like I said. Um, people ask me sometimes, well, you do all this Markdown stuff, but what about as a lawyer? And the truth is I write most of my contracts and legal stuff in Markdown as well because it's just easier to do. Like I assemble contracts in Ulysses, you know, I pull together the text I want. I, I spend all the time getting it just right. Then I export it as rich text and then I import the rich text either into pages or Microsoft word. And then I use the word and pages, headings, tools, and all the things you need for kind of fancy documents. But for me, the idea is that the hard work of writing the words is done when I get there. And so much so that I can even like offload the formatting to somebody else because they don't have to worry about the words. They just have to get the headings right. The only exception as a lawyer is when I'm reviewing documents that are given to me. Like quite often I have to like review contracts or or documents that other lawyers generate. And, and in 27 years or eight years of being a lawyer, nobody's ever sent me a Markdown file. <laughs> you know, So yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, usually it's a Word or Pages and I just track it. I'm not going to like move it out of Word. Uh, I'll just leave it there and do track changes in there. And and when we get to a point where we're going to track changes, Pages and Word are, are much more powerful. Or even these days, Google Docs. I now have a couple clients that are using Google Docs and they call them suggestions in Google Docs as opposed to track changes but they're they're perfectly adequate emails as a lawyer are interesting and just email in general i i like writing email in drafts because it um there's a kind of a productivity reason whenever i open the mail app it's very easy to get distracted because you know mail is a bunch of people screaming at you for answers on something so a lot of times what i'll do is i'll i'll just write my email in drafts whether it's legal max barkey or personal and then drafts has a way to send that markdown text into a composed new mail. And drafts method is the first line is the subject line and the second line is the first line of the body. So you can write the subject line, the body, and have it all done and send it either as plain text or as rich text embedding markdown. So we were talking earlier about that problem on iOS where you can't embed links. Well, if you write them in markdown and drafts, you can on, on the Apple Mail app. Again, because Markdown, you can use it in tools that aren't designed for it because it's just plain text. Yeah. I never write legal email in the email app because uh, I I have this fear that I'm going to accidentally hit the send button Mm -hmm. when it's halfway done or, you know, whatever. In fact, another power tip for email is don't put the recipient on an important email until the email is completely done. You just don't have a recipient field filled up. Can't send it anywhere that way. Yeah. Yeah. I had that once happen where a lawyer sent me an email that had comments in it. Like it, he would, he had like shared, I think as a word doc with his client and his client didn't like me. <laughs> so he had written all this stuff in here about what an SOB I am. And then the email <laughs> went through and, 
And then I called him up afterwards and I was just laughing. I said, hey, don't worry about it, man. It's, I don't think it's the first time a client has hated the other lawyer. Yeah. Pretty sure. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're not breaking new ground. <laughs> yeah. Another thing I do with Markdown is journaling. Um, you know, day one, which we did a show on a, a while ago, fully supports Markdown. And if you like to journal, why not just write your Markdown entries and with uh, your day one interest in Markdown because it renders them uh, in the day one formatting and they look great afterwards. It's just, um, I, I can't imagine it doing it any other way at this point. I mean, good on them. Yeah. And, uh, and like Rome research, which is this other app that I've been spending some time with lately, they just embedded Markdown in the whole system. So like everything works. I mean, once you know the tools we've talked about today, you'll be surprised at the weird places that it shows up. Cool. That's uh, I that's I think that's a good good place to end it. I mean, it is everywhere, right? Like even web forms, and I mean, it's amazing to me how far it's gotten. I think that's really cool. Yeah, I, I mean, it's so easy to learn, and it is so useful once you have it. So, so try Markdown. Let us know what you think about it. You know, we've got a thread of comments for each show as it publishes. If you've been using Markdown. Share with the community how you've been using it. If you're new to it, let us know, you know, what your questions are or, or how it's working out for you. But uh, I hope you uh, I hope you try it out. All right. Uh, so uh, we are going to do more power users today about the podcast-a-thon. But in the meantime, we want to thank our sponsors, and that's our friends over at SaneBox and Indeed. We're the Mac Power Users. You can find us at relay.fm slash MPU, and we'll see you next week.